Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Well, good morning. Doing good this morning? Yeah, doing good. You having a good weekend? Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we just want to say, like Pastor Brian said a few minutes ago, uh, man, we're so excited that, uh, that you've decided to join us uh, here at Vertical Church. Uh, on this holiday weekend. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor, it's a pleasure uh, to worship with you this morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Josh. I am the lead teaching pastor uh, here at VC, and, um, and I'm excited. We're, we're near the tail end of a series that we've been on now. This is week seven. Uh, it's called The Good Life. If you've missed a week or you need to catch up, uh, you can check that out at verticalchurch.tv. Uh, just click on the messages link on the side, and, uh, and you can find every week. But if you haven't been here for any of it, you don't have to. It's not like a prerequisite. Uh, it's not a, there's not a quiz after this or anything, so uh, you're, you're good. Um, yeah, it's Memorial Day weekend, and it's beautiful outside, and, and tomorrow you probably already have plans uh, of how you're going to spend the day. You know, Memorial Day is an interesting holiday because uh, I think sometimes we kind of misunderstand the point of the holiday. We get it confused with some of the others. Tomorrow's a day where we honor those who have died uh, in our country's armed, armed forces, our armed services. So while you're doing your cookout tomorrow, uh, while you're uh, barbecuing, or while you're at the beach, let me just encourage you. Um, something that my dad taught me. My dad was, a, was an army veteran. He served in the Vietnam War uh, back in the late 60s. And, um, and, and he, he taught me... Um, well, he really just asked me the question. He said, how, how do we honor those who have given us a gift? How, how do you honor somebody when they have, have given you a gift that's precious and, and valuable and treasured? And what, uh, what, what I hope you do tomorrow is while you're doing your cookout, your barbecue thing, I hope you just take a moment and just, uh, and just remember kind of the why of the day that we've received a gift, and, and to honor it, uh, we, we start out by remembering those um, who have provided that gift. Now, not only is this Memorial Day weekend, but it's a really interesting thing, because if you're, you may not know this at all. If you're not familiar with the church calendar, don't sweat it. It's not like, uh, like I said, there's no quiz. But, but not only is tomorrow a holiday, but today in church circles is also a holiday. It's called Pentecost Sunday. And, uh, and, and maybe you don't know this, we don't, we don't talk about it much, I knocked my own microphone off, we don't talk about it much, but Vertical Church is a Pentecostal church. Now that means a whole lot more than we think that speaking in tongues is legitimate. Like that means so much more because being Pentecostal is a whole way of understanding the world and what Jesus does and who Jesus is and what he does for us and in us and through us. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, when I use the word Pentecostal, it's cool, don't sweat it. Um, what you need to know is we believe in Jesus. We believe that Jesus died, was buried, was resurrected, and then ascended into heaven. And today, we celebrate 50 days after Easter, 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven, when Acts chapter 2 happens. The, the Holy Spirit comes, and, and, and Peter preaches, and, and 3,000 people get saved, Right? on this day so many years ago. And it's kind of like, if you will, the birthday of the church. It's kind of the day we look back and say, yeah, that's when the church began. Now, what is Pentecost Sunday? Well, 
Well, it, it is actually really interesting if you like study it out. It coincides with, with a festival on the Jewish calendar of the same name when they celebrate the law being given on Mount Sinai, which is a not so subtle way of Jesus saying, check this out, I'm not giving you a law written on stone tablets. I'm giving you a law written on your heart by my spirit that I've given you, which is really cool when you think about it. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing that, that we, don't, we don't serve a God who's given us, uh, given us stone tablets to follow. We serve a God who's given us of his own spirit to transform us, which is really radical and really cool. And so that's what happens on Pentecost Sunday. Now, if we, if we look at Acts chapter 2, I just want to read this one passage. Let me kind of give you the context of what's happened. Like I said, the Holy Spirit has come. You saw some of the verses uh, in the video uh, before I came up. Uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit's come, fire, tongues of fire, all that stuff. They come out, and they're, and they're speaking in all kinds of different languages. And people are asking, are they drunk? Like, have they been kicking back on some, you know, Jack Daniels or something? What's going on? I mean, he wasn't alive by then, but anyway, you know what I mean. And, and, the, and they say, no, we're not drunk, guys. It's way too early in the morning for that. It's like only 9 o'clock in the morning. We haven't tipped it up yet. Um, I don't know if they did, but I'm just saying, there's no wonder they're like asking. Anyway, you got to ask yourself those questions. So Peter says, no, that's not what's happening. Let me tell you what's happened. This is, this is because of Jesus, and he preaches this message. And I want to I get to the tail end of the message. Verse 38, they've asked him, they said, okay, Peter, we've heard your story about Jesus, how he ascended, how, 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 he, how he was resurrected by God. What do we do? What do we do with that, Peter? And look what he says, verse 38. Check this out. If you have a Bible, we're in Acts 2, verse 38. If not, just look on the screen behind me. Verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. So he says, okay, here's what you've got to do. You've got to repent. You've got to approach God and, 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 and ask for forgiveness, if you will. You kind, of, kind of turn away from your old lifestyle, receive what God's doing. And look what he says. He says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on, verse 39, he says, this promise, the, the, the promise, what promise? The promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all who are far off, which includes me and you. That's us. We're part of those all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, the word that Peter uses to describe the Holy Spirit here, the word gift, is a really, it's a really interesting word. It has this emphasis on free gift, like absolutely free. Not like buy one, get one free. Not like that at the store. It's not like, you know, everything in the store is free and then you read the fine print. Only like select items that have an expiration date past, you know, three weeks ago that we can't sell anymore so we're giving away free. No, no, absolutely free gift. No repayment required. No, th this gift is not earned. This gift is not based on entitlement or achievement. It's, it's a type of gift that emphasizes the, the, the generosity of the one who's giving it. So, so this gift emphasizes the generosity of the Father giving, uh, give, giving the Holy Spirit to his kids. Now, I, I want to show you something. This is um, my, my dad 
uh, when he was alive, my dad gave me this guitar. There's a guitar in this case. Now, I'm just going to stand it up here because it's real sturdy uh, and it should stand. Now, this is what? Oh, gosh. This is 2015, probably 2002, 2001, maybe. My dad gave me the guitar that's in this case. We went to a, a music store in Logan, West Virginia, population about 1,500 people. The um, only music store in the whole place, and it was like music store, store slash furniture store slash department store slash auto parts store. Uh, it was kind of, you get anything you wanted at this place, right? And uh, in the basement of this building, there was a music store, and they had all these guitars on the wall. And uh, we went down, and we're looking at guitars, and, and I had only been playing guitar for like six months at the time. Um, and, and I'm not like great. I'm, I, I am at the talent level that I always wanted to be, and I don't really have an ambition to get better. So if you can play guitar, then let us know because there's a spot right there for you because I don't need to play. I just play because uh, I like making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Anyway, we go down into the basement, and we're looking at guitars, and, and I pick one off the wall, and I'm like, this is a nice guitar. Uh, this will work. This will do. But my dad, my dad's an interesting guy because... Because he, you know, he wasn't really like a lovey-dovey guy. His, his love language, if you will, was in giving gifts. And so we're about to walk out, and this guitar is on the wall next to the stairs. This was a very expensive guitar in Logan, West Virginia. It's probably overpriced, but anyway. We're about to walk out, and he looks on the wall, and he says, what about that one? I said, Dad, that's way too much money. I'm not... I'm not a good guitar player. I don't really have, I don't like want to go on tour or anything. That's just way too much money to spend on a guitar for me because I'm just learning. And he looks at the guy who owned the business and he said, take it off the wall, put it in the case, bring it upstairs. This guitar was a couple thousand dollars. Now let me ask you a question. If I'm going to honor the gift that my father gave me, what if we walk out of the store and I never open the case? What if I just left it in my closet? Like, thanks, Dad. I appreciate your, your generosity. I appreciate your gracious gift. I'm just going to leave it in the case for now. What if I ignored my father's gift to me? What if I never opened it up? What if I never took it out? What if I never played it? Would he be offended? at my response to his gift. Now, I wonder if some of us this morning, if we're honest and we don't put up our I'm perfect Christian mask, I wonder if some of us are guilty of the same thing in relationship to our Heavenly Father and the gift of the Holy Spirit that he's given to us. Well, Lord, I don't know. The Holy Spirit's kind of wild and kind of weird, and I've seen those people on TV, and they act strange and bizarre, and their hair's weird and their makeup's weird, so I'm just going to leave your gift in the case. You see what I'm saying? We've got to change that. Now, I grew up in a church that was not about ignoring the Holy Spirit, let me tell you. Like, you... We were those crazy, wild Pentecostals in the back hollers of West Virginia where people were like running around on top of the pews and shouting and all kinds of stuff. It was, it was, it was, it was like lights out. Back then, man, we didn't even call him the Holy Spirit. We called him the Holy Ghost. You got to get the Holy Ghost. And every message was about the Holy Ghost, which is kind of creepy if you're like seven or eight years old. And you're like, I don't know about this. Holy Ghost? What's a ghost? Like God is a, God is a ghost? 
We were all about the Holy Ghost, man. Uh, we would pray for you to receive the Holy Ghost. We would have revivals about the Holy Ghost. But maybe you grew up in a tradition that didn't emphasize the Holy Ghost. Maybe you didn't even talk about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you knew more about Casper the Friendly Ghost than you did the Holy Ghost. Like you're more comfortable with him, you know. Like I'm comfortable with Casper. I'm not sure, so sure about Holy here. Does it? Listen. You may, have let, you, may be, you may be right now ignoring the gift of the Father. That doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It doesn't mean that you're not a follower of Jesus. It doesn't mean that you're some, kind of, some, some second-rate Christian who's not really saved. No, no, no. What it means is that you have a relationship with the Father and the Son, but maybe not the Holy Spirit. You're, you're functioning at two-thirds capacity, if you will, <laughs> And what I want you to know today on Pentecost Sunday is, is, is not, not that you should feel ashamed or guilty or, 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 or like condemnation coming upon you, but you should, you should be excited because there's so much more to God than you're currently realizing. There's so much more in your relationship with God than, than, than you can realize when you're ignoring the gift that's been provided. We're in the middle of a series, like I said, called The Good Life, and, and I try to give you like a, a one-sentence a sermon in a sentence, if you will. And so this is the sermon in a sentence for today. You can't experience the good life if you ignore the Holy Spirit. Like, it's just that simple. It's not a complicated sentence. It's not, it doesn't have many clauses. I think it only has like, uh, well, it has one clause, if, an if clause. You can't experience the good life if you ignore the Holy Spirit. There are dimensions of of love, their dimensions of joy, of power, that we will never know if the case is never opened. See, it's, it's not Father, Son, and I don't really know what to do with the Holy Spirit. It's, God is a, is a packaged deal. We relate to the Father, we relate to the Son, but sometimes the Spirit makes us a little uncomfortable. But ignoring Him is not the way we honor the gift that he's given. In fact, ignoring is the exact opposite of receiving a free gift. A.W. Tozer, who was a Christian several decades ago, who was a Christian author, he was a writer, he, he's kind of like a, a, a literary theologian, if you will. He wrote all kinds of material, and he has this quote about the Holy Spirit. Man, I thought this was just good, and so I wanted to share it with you. Check this out with me. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we, would, what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Now, like my pastor back in West Virginia used to say, amen or ouch, right? Like, amen or ouch, amen, yes, that's true, or ouch, maybe that's true of me. See, here at, here at Vertical Church, man, we want to be a place that honors the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But, 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 but that's just lip service if we aren't seeking a relationship with the Spirit of God. When's the last time you told the Holy Spirit, I love you. I love you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being part of my life. When's the last time that you thanked Him? Thank you, Holy Spirit for speaking to me today. You see, we're comfortable worshiping the Father. We're comfortable worshiping Jesus the Son, but when we start talking about worshiping the Holy Spirit, people start getting antsy. 
Like, I don't, can you do that? Yes. God, Father, Son, Spirit, all deserving of worship, all deserving of gratitude, all worthy. See, recently, I started a little journey because sometimes when you're a pastor, you have to unlearn some things. You know what I mean? Like, there are a lot of assumptions that, that maybe I have when I approach Scripture, especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes you have to unlearn what you think you know so that you can rediscover what you didn't see but was there all along. And so here's what I did. It's not like astounding. It's not really even that academic. Um, I, I went to BibleGateway.com, which is one of the multitude of Bible websites you can go to. And they have a search field, keyword search, and I just typed in spirit. And I said, I want to see, I want to, I want to see every place in the Bible where the Spirit shows up, or at least the English word spirit from somebody's translation. Okay, I, I know there are holes in my study method, and you could probably point them out to me, and you can do that later. That's cool. But what I did is I just started reading from the beginning of the Bible anywhere where spirit appeared, and I haven't even gotten all the way finished yet because I just want to take my time and and, and rediscover who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does. But what I want to tell you today is it's amazing. Like, like the Holy Spirit's job portfolio, his, his job description is incredible. Like, like I'm a pastor, and when, when I talk to people and they find out I'm a pastor, the joke goes, uh, what do you do the rest of the week? And if I'm in an ornery mood, I'm just like, I pray and read the Bible. All week, man, that's all I do. I just pray and read. No, my job description is so much bigger than, than, than praying and reading the Bible and, and preaching. No, I do all sorts of different things throughout the week that you're not aware of. If I looked at your job description, there would be things in your job description that I didn't know that you do. Shoot, there might even be things that I can't even spell that you do, you know? But, but when we look at the Holy Spirit's job description, it's mind-blowing. It's incredible, and I just, I, I'm just getting started on this kind of rediscovery of who the Holy Spirit is, and, and I, don't have it, I don't have all the answers. I don't have everything figured out. I haven't been able to read all of his, his description, but today I just want to share with you three things that I've discovered in my own personal journey of rediscovering who the Holy Spirit is, unlearning some things, just trying to ask, you know, God, who, who are you, Holy Spirit? And these are three things that I've seen, kind of three of the first things, really, uh, that, that I've come in, uh, come in contact with. So here we go. Uh, if you're taking notes, you can, you can write this on the back of your program. If not, just, just follow along. Here we go. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, right at the very beginning. Like the very first words of the Bible. Check this out. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Cool. Now, the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The first thing that I've kind of rediscovered about the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday is that the Holy Spirit hovers over chaos. Now, in mythology, in kind of ancient, you know, ancient cultures, mythological uh, stories, water sea deep, ocean deeps, is a, is a symbolic metaphor for places of chaos, uncertainty, um, the unknown, uh, the, 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 the water, the, the seas were this hostile, dangerous place 
filled with giant sea creatures <laughs> like Leviathan or, or, or giant squid that could literally in, the, in, consume an entire ship. So when we talk about the, the Spirit of God hovering over the, the, the seas, over the waters, you've got to picture what, what the description is, this formless, empty, dark place. Other words that we could use uh, to, to describe this that would go along the same things are, are, are things like void, uh, uh, obscure, kind of chaos and confusion. Just no form, no purpose, just meaningless futility. There's a description that I really love. It's, it's one of the possible you know, phrases that you can interject here. Wasteland. The Spirit of God hovered over the wasteland at the beginning. And above all of that chaos, and above all of that danger and uncertainty and emptiness, the Spirit of God hovers, and from this place, God brings life. Which tells me that the Spirit of God will hover over the empty places in my life and your life. The, 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 the Spirit of God will hover over the chaos because He's always hovered over chaos and He'll hover over the, the void and He'll hover over the wasteland that is in your life and from that place of emptiness that you feel when you go to sleep at night and close your eyes and the peace that you feel like you do not have, the Holy Spirit will hover over that. And he will, he will bring life. He'll, he, he wants to fill the meaningless places of your life with, with, with purpose and meaning. He wants to, to invade the voids and the, and the wasted places in your life and fill them with a, a new creation. Scripture in Isaiah says he wants to exchange your, your, he wants to exchange beauty for ashes. He wants to give you joy for mourning. It's in those moments when, when life feels like chaos and confusion and uncertainty and, and wasted opportunity that the Spirit of God hovers over those places in your life. And He's hovering over you right now today and He's wanting to bring order to your confusion. He's wanting to bring beauty out of, the, uh, 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 out of the wasteland and He's wanting to bring purpose out of this formless void. And He's wanting to bring life where there is nothing because the Holy Spirit hovers over chaos. Number two, Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. If we go forward in the story of Genesis, we find a guy named Noah. And Noah is, is the only righteous man in all of the world. And God is speaking to him. And look what God says to Noah. My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. The second thing that I've kind of rediscovered about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit contends with us. Now, when I first read this, I wasn't really sure. I'm like, I don't know. It's like, it's stated in the negative. My spirit will not always contend. You know, I don't know what that, what does that look like? What does that mean? And, and what I've discovered is the more I've kind of gotten into this, I've found that he doesn't just hover over the chaos, but he contends with us. And what we're going to talk about here in a second, he contends 
for us. Now that word contend kind of means argue. <laughs> it means fight. It, it, it might mean frustrate. You see, when you do something that, you know, we, we, if you do something sinful or something that you know is wrong and you feel like you need to ask forgiveness from somebody, from God, from a friend, from a neighbor, what is that? That's the Holy Spirit contending with you. That's the Holy Spirit bringing what we used to call back in, uh, you know, the, the church I grew up in, conviction. We use this word called conviction, and, and, it, and it meant that the Holy Spirit is contending with you and, and convicting you and, and opening your eyes so that you can see what, what it is in your life that you're doing that's not, that's not pleasing, that you know is not what God wants. It looks more like the purposelessness than what God wants to create in your life, and so uh, the Holy Spirit contends with you. Now, let me be clear about this. There's a difference between contending and, and, the, and the fancy word condemnation. There's no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Paul tells us in Romans. There's a difference between the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit and the, con, the, the condemning voice of the enemy. You see, condemnation is the enemy reminding you of things that, that God has already forgiven you for. The, way, the best way I can think of to kind of illustrate the difference of this is real simple. Conviction always draws you closer to God condemnation makes you want to turn around and run away. The voice that you're hearing, is it, is it drawing you to repentance? Because that's what God does. God, through His loving kindness, Scripture tells us, draws us back to Himself, to, to repentance, to, to, to repair a broken relationship. But condemnation always makes you try to run away and hide. So there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. But here's what I've discovered about the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you ignore the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit, it's really hard to hear the comforting voice of the Holy Spirit. If you ignore the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit, it's really hard to hear the guiding voice of the Holy Spirit. Because you can't, you can't tune in, you know, tune in part of the Holy Spirit's voice and tune out another part. It's, it's, it's a package deal. If you're not willing to listen to everything that He says, you're probably not going to hear anything that He has to say. But not only does He contend with us, here's the really cool thing, man. He contends for us. He fights for us. The Spirit of God doesn't just contend with us. He doesn't just argue with us, but He contends for us. He fights for us. Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that the, one of the ways the Holy Spirit fights for us is this. Check this out. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit fights for us when we are not strong enough. For example, Paul says, we don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Let me tell you, that's good. You know what that tells me? When I wake up in the morning, I can wake up and I can pop out of bed and I can say, thank you, Holy Spirit, all through the night you've been praying for me. While I've been asleep, you've been praying for me, you've been interceding for me. Today's going to be a great day because you've already started it off by praying for me. When I lay my head down to sleep at night, I can lay down in peace and, and, and let the, worry, the, the worries of life kind of fall off of me because I know that while I am asleep, He's praying for me. He's fighting for me. 
He's not giving up. He doesn't stop. At the end of the day, I can rest easy because I know He's fighting for me. I know that when I'm weak, He'll step in. I know that when I think I'm strong, He'll show me that I'm not, that I'm really weak, and He'll step in. I know that, that, that when I don't have the words to say, to express the feeling that I feel, that the Holy Spirit will pray through me in groans that I cannot understand. But God does. Number three. Go forward in the story. Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 through 5. Lord's talking to Moses. Getting ready to, they're getting ready to build the dwelling place for God. Look what God says to Moses. Verse, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Now, this is really odd because in most times in the Old Testament, uh, it talks about the Spirit of God coming on somebody. This is one of the rare exceptions where the Spirit of God is filling somebody in the Old Testament. I have filled him with the Spirit of God with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for working gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Jump back with me. You remember in high school, like when you graduated, this is graduation time, right? People are graduating all over the, the, the area. And, um, and in the yearbook, we would have these like awards. People would give out awards, right? Like, like you know, most likely to be a U.S. congressman. I didn't get that award. Um, when that, most likely to cure cancer. That usually went to somebody who's probably really good at chemistry or science, you know. Best dressed, I didn't win that one. Best hair, you know what's really embarrassing about my school? Like, you want to know how I grew up? You, do you want to know what qualifies me, uh, without question, as a redneck? My graduating class, the guy who won best hair had a mullet. And it was permed, y'all. He had a permed mullet, and he won best hair. It's crazy. You know you're in a redneck school when the guy who's got the best hair has a mullet. Listen, where are you going with this? I, if, if, if we were giving out an award most likely to be filled with the Old Testament, in, or filled with the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, filled with the Old Testament, what's that even mean? Filled with the Spirit of God in the Old Testament. Here's the thing. I don't think Bezalel is high on our list. Because, listen, this dude's not a, pro a prophet. He's not a priest. This guy isn't like from the line of Aaron with all of the, the pre-qualifications that it takes to be filled with the Spirit of God. He's not a preacher. He's not a, he's not a mouthpiece for God. This dude is a stonemason, a blacksmith, a carpenter, a blue-collar, dirt-under-the-fingernails guy that God fills with His Spirit and anoints him for a purpose. Number three, the third thing that I've kind of rediscovered about the Holy Spirit on this journey. He, he hovers over the chaos in our lives. He contends with us and for us. Number three, He anoints us for a specific purpose and a calling. Bezalel was anointed by God, filled with the Spirit of God to build the tabernacle. Here's what I want you to hear from me this morning. 
It doesn't matter if you're a preacher, a doctor, a stay-at-home mom, a teacher, a plumber, a graphic designer, a shipyard worker, a barista, a college student, or a high school student. God wants to fill you with His Spirit to, to anoint you to do whatever it is He's called you to do. Like, you don't have to be a certain kind of person. You see, what our community does not need more of, necessarily, we do not need more anointed preachers. We got a lot of anointed preachers. You know what we need? We need anointed school teachers. We need anointed police officers. We need anointed stay-at-home moms and anointed stay-at-home dads. We need anointed mechanics who will work on cars to the glory of God. We need anointed real estate people who will work with integrity and listening to the voice of the Spirit of God go about their occupation anointed by God to do the thing that God has called them to do. You see, the Spirit of God that hovered over the chaos of the nothingness at the beginning and brought something out of it, He wants to anoint you and to take your nothingness and bring life out of it. He wants to do something beautiful and create something something full of purpose and meaning from your life. Some of the greatest moments in my life have been those moments when, when by divine appointment, you know, the only explanation for what's happening is that there is a God who orders my steps and anoints what I'm doing for His purpose. He, he, he hovers over our lives. He contends with us. He contends for us. And He anoints us. So, what do we do with this? Like, what? How do you respond to a, me, a message like this? Because if you just leave and you're like, well, that's a really great message. I know some things about the Holy Spirit that I didn't know. That's really good. But that's not it. It's not the point. You see, some of us in this room, maybe we need to repent because we haven't opened the case. Maybe we need to repent because we're been ignoring his voice we've been tuning his voice out and we need to come and we need to say God forgive me for ignoring your Holy Spirit I apologize Lord I repent I want to turn away from that way of living and embrace the gift that you've given some of us may need to may need to make room in our lives to honor and to worship the Holy Spirit or to worship in the Spirit. Maybe we need to maybe we need to throw the welcome mat down and open up the door and just say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my life. You're welcome in this place. You're welcome in this church. Lord, I want to I want to worship you. I want to seek you with the same intensity as the early believers did in Acts chapter 2, God. You're welcome in my life, hover over my life, contend with me, contend for me, anoint me with your spirit. You see, my prayer is not that, that, that we have some agenda for God to follow, like, God, you got to do this and this in my life. No, no, my prayer is that we would just say, God, do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want, wherever you want in my life. God, do whatever you want in this church. Wherever you want to do it, whenever you want to do it, however you want to do it. He wants to hover over your life. 
He wants to contend with you and for you, and He wants to anoint you. I'm going to close with this. There's a story in Acts chapter 18 of a guy named Apollos. Apollos was a really smart guy. Apollos was, was, was studied in Scripture. He knew the, the Old Testament. He, he, he knew the, the prophecies about Jesus. He taught about Jesus correctly, Scripture tells us. He taught with passion and boldness. But Luke tells us in Acts chapter 18 that, that Apollos was still missing something. He only knew of John's baptism. You rewind all the way back to the beginning of Jesus' story. John the Baptist says, I baptize you in water for the, for the forgiveness of your sins, but there's coming one after, after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So when Luke says that Apollos only knew John's baptism, he's saying he only knew the baptism of repentance. He did not know Jesus' baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look what happens in verse 28, or verse 26, Acts chapter 18. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, Priscilla and Aquila are are, are two leaders uh, in the early church. When they heard him, him being Apollos, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. God wants to add a dimension to your life. Maybe right now you're functioning at two-thirds capacity, and he wants to add something supernatural to your life. How do, how do I go about that, Pastor Josh? Here's, here's how you go about it. You humble yourself and you posture yourself and you say, God, I want this to be more than a message. I want this, I want this to be about, about, about rediscovering who you are so that I can, I can give thanks for the way you hover over my life. Lord, I want to rediscover who you are so that I can, I can give you thanks for the way you fight for me. God, I want to rediscover who you are so that I can see the way you're God, I want to grow in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want to be full of you. I want to receive the gift that Jesus gave. Remember that question I told you my dad asked me? How do we honor those who have given us a gift? Tomorrow's Memorial Day. There are people who have given us the gift of freedom by laying down their very lives. And we honor them tomorrow by remembering their sacrifice, but also by enjoying that time, by embracing that time, by saying thank you and enjoying the gift of freedom that they've provided. But we're not at Memorial Day. Today is Pentecost Sunday. How do we honor the gift that Jesus gave with his own very life? open the case and we enjoy the gift that he's provided we don't ignore it we don't pretend like it doesn't exist we receive the gift and we embrace it and we love it and we cherish it so let's just do that right now would you stand all over this room with me this morning I'm going to pray and then... thank you so much for joining us today we always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.